What's happening team? Welcome to the Type 1 Movement Podcast where I'm going to be sharing with you my tips, tricks and stories to help you lead the healthiest life possible as a Type 1 diabetic. I'm your host, Type 1 Tom. Just a quick disclaimer, any advice that I give will not overpower your medical professional, so please consult with them first if you're thinking of making any changes. Welcome to another episode of the Title Movement Podcast. So on this episode, very special again, it's always special when we've got fucking guests on, but I've got Fred back on. And me and Fred, so last time we spoke was more about her journey with me as a client, but now we want to take a little different approach. Um, we're going to speak about like the, the health complications that Fred's had like over the years from diabetes and, and stuff like that and stress. And she's going to tell you a bit about her story and how she managed to turn that around. So if you've if you've not got health complications from diabetes, you're going to find this inspirational, motivating. But if you have, you're going to see that, hey, you know what? Even if you have, it's never too late to start making a change and taking control of yourself. So before we get started, I'll say, please leave me a rating and a review on the podcast app, as it does really help me reach more type 1 diabetics, especially with this episode, and hopefully positively impact our community. So I don't really think she needs an introduction, but Fred, how's it going? Thank you for being on again. Hi. No, no problem. I love it. I love it. Good. So let's, let's start with let's say the earliest memory you can remember of being a diabetic because how long have you had type 1 diabetes now um i've had type 1 for 42 years this week oh last it was mo- your last- anniversary last yeah. monday was this monday was my anniversary yeah. 42 years so i was diagnosed in 1979 and i don't remember anything from that because i was 3 years old at the time yeah uh, almost four because my birthday is next week. So, um, well, I, I do have some memories of the hospital, but because uh, I was admitted for six weeks. Right. And um, yeah, I, I don't have vivid memories. No, not no. really. And I don't remember not having diabetes. No, no, That's, but you, uh, can't, you obviously can't remember a life before. Like I can because I'm 34 at the time of recording this and I was 21 when I got it. So I can yeah. kind of still remember life before it. But I think what will be interesting before we get into like your story about the complications and that, tell us the earliest memory that you had of how you had to manage your diabetes. Ooh, <laughs> um, well, um, I was on one shot a day at the time. I came home on half a unit a day. Because uh, I was so small, I was only 15 kg, which is just over a stone, I guess. Mm. And um, the the first memories I have is being injected by my mom at the kitchen table, um, being held by my dad or the neighbor, or because we had really big needles at the time, and I was yeah, really you, small. So <laughs> you sent me pictures <laughs> of these needles, like in the past. But just explain what the injection was like back then. Yeah, it, it, uh, I, I just escaped uh, the syringes you had to boil because oh. there were syringes you had to boil to use them again. And that's what I just escaped. So we had those plastic single-use syringes. And uh, yeah, it was I, I was just fucking scared. Nothing mm. more, nothing less. And uh, we had to eat the same amount of food at the same time every single day. Yeah. Uh, and that's what I've done for years, 12, 15 years. It, no, no, 10 to 12 years, I guess. Because when I was 
12. I don't I don't really actually remember exactly when, but then I went to two shots a day and eventually I went to four. Um, I remember asking my pediatrician, I wanted four injections a day, uh, MDI. And he said, no, no, that's just too much. We don't do that. And then <laughs> I really had to screw my numbers to make him prescribe MDI. And I, I, I really fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> it was so. massive. But yeah, that, that's, that's, I was like 14, 15. So yeah, yeah that's what, what you do when you're that age. And yeah. uh, so if you remember a time around that, let's start with, say, how you was managing your diabetes. Because correct me if I'm wrong, uh, you quite openly say yourself, you was a shit diabetic at first. Yeah, but we didn't have anything. When no. I came home from the hospital, we didn't, we couldn't blood test. There was no yeah. finger prick. Yeah, there was, but not at home. My first blood meter was a brick. It was it was as big as a brick and it weighed the same as a brick. It took three minutes for a test to uh, to appear. So, hmm. we, and we only had that one when I was seven. So, because uh, when I was seven, my dad was also diagnosed with type one. So then right. it was the two of us, and my grandparents decided, well, we'll buy you a, a, a meter because it wasn't covered, obviously. Mm. And uh, then we had one, but we didn't take it along. It was just too heavy. You had to, to have an extra bag for it. And yeah. the huge amount of blood it needed, it was <laughs> was really yeah. ridiculous. I want to say, like, uh, I think any type one listening to this now, just take a minute to stop and appreciate and show a bit of fucking gratitude for the, the shit that we actually have access to nowadays. Because back when Fred was diagnosed, he just told you, just avoided the syringes that you had to boil and it was dial up and guess the amount that you was putting in, I take it. No no blood testing device. You obviously, did you say you have to go to the hospital to get your blood tested? Yeah, we, we had uh, urine urine sticks. Yeah. But, but that's that's useless because yeah. by the time the glucose is in your urine, you're like a too day... Too fucking late. Uh, yeah, you're way too yeah. late. So, yeah. so I think now we need to all have gratitude like for the things that we can take for granted, like Libras, Dexcoms, pumps, dial-up pens, which tell you how many units to put in, half a unit pens. There's so much shit as type and diabetics that we have to be grateful for and that we need to learn to use to our advantage as well, I'd say. So keeping yeah, around that time, we, we didn't on, get, We didn't guess. We just yeah. had the, the set amount of units, uh, the doctor told us, yeah. and the set amount of food we had to eat and don't you dare do anything else yeah yeah we did that, but yeah we couldn't correct yeah because we, did, we a... didn't even have short acting insulin it didn't exist <laughs> so it's such a rigid lifestyle no some type ones moan now that oh, i don't really want to have to have a routine to have good stable bloods but it wasn't a fucking routine like you used to have to have like it, that sounded like it, that was just your life because you had no flexibility with the way that you was managing it yeah so Talk us through, like, what happened in terms of you managing your glucose control leading up to the first memory of any sort of realization that, hey, this is this is fucking me up a little bit, like when the complications started to come in. Yeah, my first complications occurred, I was, that was, I was, let me do the math, 25, 26. Okay. Uh, so that's quite a, some years later. And um, 
actually having the complication, it was retinopathy, uh, yeah. was my first complication because I have more. And um, that's when I really started to realize, hey, I have to take this shit serious because mm. it's, it's, this is not going in a, in a good direction. And uh, yeah, that's when I started um, having a pump. Mm. and uh, having better control and that's um long story short that's what that's where where it started going up to where i'm now so that actually took me 20 years i always say i've come a long way but i have so um and so so that with a retinopathy was like that turning point of you thinking right this shit's serious i need to get a handle on it yeah because if if i want to be around much longer uh, in yeah. a in a good state, um, yeah. I, I have to take this more serious than I did. Yeah. Um, so, so talk us through what happened with that after you got the pump leading leading through. I I don't know what you mean. Sorry. So talk us through. Obviously, you had the retinopathy. You got the pump. What happened with your control after that? Because we know you've got a few more complications. So talk us through them. Um. I um, I I've actually always had quite a good HbA1c. Uh, I've always been told, also before when I was younger, you've good control. Uh, but it HbA1c is an average, and it really was. I I was going up and down all the time, and then you have a good average because when you go from mm. two to twenty and back all day, and that's basically what happened. I guess. Because I didn't know, I didn't have a CGM. Mm. I was finger pricking. And um, when I was younger, like in, in my teenage years, well, did I prick every day? I don't even remember. Maybe not. Yeah. And so, but I was going up and down. I was always tired, always grumpy, always the symptoms you have when you're really having a high part. So um when I got the retinopathy, I was 25, and I I was like, I have to take this serious, uh, otherwise I will lose it. Mm. So then, then I, um, yeah, um, I like I said, I had a good HbA1c when I started my pump. It was 7.5 percent, which isn't too bad, yeah. uh, but it was an average. And uh, then uh, from having the pump, I've never been over seven. Um, and well, yeah, then, then the retinopathy got really worse and I ended up having laser treatments, uh, every week at some point. And then one day I had a massive bleeding. I was on the train from work and my right eye just, it just went, uh, one, one spot, two spots. And I couldn't see a thing when I got home with that eye and uh, I think it was like six weeks after the first bleeding I had my first surgery and I ended up having seven surgeries on my eyes and the first six within 18 months yeah Uh, and that was really hard because the retina specialist not only the eye doctor but the eye doctor specializes in the retina he said I don't know if I can fix this it's mm. it's just so bad at the moment. And my retina detached also at one point. And he said, Yeah, I'm I'm gonna try, but I don't think I will fix it. 
And so you, you was faced with that thing that, hey, am I, I may be blind in one eye. Well, like, both. Yeah, 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 well, both. Both. Uh, there, there have been days when I woke up in the morning. I, I was just like a snow on TV. Yeah. Just gray in front of your yeah. eyes. I didn't see a thing. Yeah. And then that you... cleared during the day, uh, but I had, I've seen everything from nothing until everything. Yeah. And it changed it every. It changed every day. Yeah. Uh, do you do do you yeah. think this happened from? A build-up from, like, not having good con- well, not having the 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 ability to have good control um, in the early days, not having the technology there that we've got yeah. now. Do you think this was a compound effect of all of that? Yeah, absolutely. Even- and uh, it was not having the ability to have good control, but mm. um, the ability I had, uh, I didn't use it to the full extent, especially yeah. when you're in your teenage years. Uh, like I said, I fucked up, really, I did. Yeah. And that only changed when I was in my 20s. Yeah. Um, After all these, this operation and this scarcity of... Yeah, and I, after having my daughter, I was like, then then I really took momentum in, I want to have the best control I want. I can, because I want to be around for her. Yeah, so that's I think we you, had... That's what you call a why. Well, that's she's that my biggest... She's my biggest why. I've, I have is, a few, but she's the biggest. That is a fucking why. And I'll touch on that briefly, guys. Like, you need a... So when Fred was young, I know you're younger, like, and she had diabetes and then she got scared with retinopathy and stuff like that. She, you didn't really have a why, did you? You was like, oh, maybe, shit, I need to take this serious. She didn't really have a why. And then you had that thrown in front of you like, hey, I'll try and fucking save your sight, but <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. There's another bit of a why, but then when you have your daughter, you've got a stronger why. So guy, we guys, we always need our why to be more powerful than the decisions of us not doing something every day, if that makes sense. Like we always need a strong why. So obviously, basically, Fred, you've gone from not having the, the, the facilities there and the ability to having good control and then getting the retinopathy and then getting a pump and trying to have a bit of better control, but still having that neglect sort of area until it got that bad. And then yep. until you had your daughter. So take us through from, from that. Like you said, though, you touched on the point there. you've already had an A1C around seven. Has it always been? Yeah. Well, yeah. at the time I, when I started my pump, I was 7.5, but I've been all over the place with my HbA1c. It was as far up as I think 13 yeah. when I was 15, 16. By the time I wanted MDI, like I said, I had to screw my control because the pediatrician just didn't want to prescribe it. Yeah. But then I went up to like 12 or 13 it was. Yeah. Um, so well, I've been us- all over the place. Um, and, and we think now we've got the ability that we focus on time in target range because like you said you might have had a good average but you're getting a lot of lows and a lot of highs do you think that's what was contributing to the build-up of the retinopathy and stuff absolutely yeah, yeah. 100 yeah. yeah so hba1c as we sometimes say and we agree on this is kind of bullshit absolutely but it does stand in good stead if your time in target and average is good and you're living proof of that yeah. Well, so yeah, I've always cause... I've always said it's just an average, and doctors were like, "Yeah, but you're doing fine. Your HbA1c is okay." And I've heard you say the same when you just were diagnosed. Yeah. They say, "Ah, oh, your your HbA1c was fine," and you're like, "No, but, but I'm feeling shit." Yeah. 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 That that's yeah. what I had for I think for decades. 
Yeah. So, so I know I'm... you've had a, quite a tough time with this retinopathy. Is there anything else in terms of diabetes and the complication that you've had struggle with before we move on to how you become a fucking hero? Let's go over this a little bit more. Well, yeah, the, um, uh, after the surgeries, um, I've, I'm, I'm, I got out on the good end. I still see, mm. I can still drive my car. Um, um, I need glasses, which I didn't need before, but that's only just a minor thing. Um, I've got but, some things yeah. left from all those surgeries because uh, when, when a new eye specialist look at my eyes, they say, whoa. <laughs> It's it's looking like the moon. My retina is more like a moon, and um, but I can still see, and uh, I can't see in the dark. And I have some on the side and on the bottom that's gone. But I yeah. I can deal with that now. That that but that's some years ago. So but that took some. Yeah. And then uh, I have also have neuropathy, and that's only been diagnosed a year and a half ago. And that was really hard because it was diagnosed the week my dad passed away. So that came yeah. together and that wasn't really lucky. But yeah. So I had quite a quite a hard time dealing with that. Um, and I have got some problems on my shoulders, which are related to the diabetes. I've had frozen shoulders and uh, bursitis. And well, if I, if I do anything on my shoulders, like with the workouts, yeah, then it, it's... It's totally painful. So, so talk us through that point of you getting the neuropathy, is it? And um, you, your dad passing away. So, no, that's roughly when we kind of around the time that we come in contact, wasn't it? Like a year and a half ago or so. I think it was a bit like talk yeah. us through like the kind of place that you was in there. You saying? Uh, yeah. Well, uh, like I said, my dad also had type one, and uh, by the time he was ill, I had to um, advocate for him because he was also type one, and uh, he was in his seventies. And when you come to the hospital and you're a type one in your seventies, they say you're type two. Yeah. And he was a bit overweight, so that's also what caused that, I guess. And I, I really had to fight for him. They didn't take him off insulin, but that's about it. <laughs> Um, and he was ill for five months before he passed away. And I, mm. uh, I really had to fight for him. And I'm, I'm really happy I could do that for him because it really made a difference. It yeah. made this time for him, uh, well, not easier, but it, 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 was, it was good for him. I could do that. But that took yeah. a toll on me. Yeah, it was uh, good. That's what I was going to say. Like, that was obviously good for you. But like, it, it did have an impact on your sort of mental health, didn't it? And your energy towards yourself. And I think... Yes, absolutely. And that's, that's when we came in contact. Yeah, 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 it is. And I think, like, Fred, you've, you've got a hundred, if a thousand reasons why you give up, you know, eyes, like, your neuropathy, the struggles with your dad and stuff like that. So, but but tell us how your mindset is now and why you didn't give up and how you actually now managed to get a lot of days 100% time in target. And what's your A1C now? 5.3% uh, or 5 34%. 5.3%. And also, I said this a bit ago to friend, I put a post up on my Instagram. Guys, you know that you're truly impactful and you're in a very good place when you're able to try and inspire other people. And over the past few months, Fred, this is why Fred's on now, She's been sharing her journey and how she's changed to help inspire other type ones and people in general. So yeah, I see that you had two choices 
at, at the start, Fred. You could even say, oh, this shit's got me. I'll never have good control. There's too much going on. It's shit. Or you had the pathway that you did choose. So tell us about your mental space now. Uh, well, last year when, when my dad just, just passed away and then COVID came along, I, was, I wasn't in a good place. And um, that's exactly the moment when I found you. And I started your program. And um, I was like, I, I don't know what I'm what I'm doing because it it was oh, fuck. It was mentally so hard. Um, mm. I I could have gone sat in the corner and just just do nothing and be sorry for myself. Yeah. But I know and I've seen around me that doesn't work. No. Um, but it it was really hard at the time because. Yeah, with COVID and and no help around, like like going to a, a psychologist or whatever. Um, I I knew I had to do something myself, and um, like with with gaining good control, I already had good control. But that was like the same. Uh, if I I still be in that mentally bad space, I cannot be here for my family, for my daughter, for for myself in the end. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want that to happen because it's, it's just too, it's just, no, that, sorry, it's getting hard. No, it's, it's all right. It is a tough thing. So we know, obviously, like your control, you managed to tighten up your control. You had your daughter, you had your why, but then still along the way, like obviously the driver was, Hey, I want to keep my eyesight. Do you know what I mean? I don't want things to progress any worse. And then the driver along the way was kind of your daughter and, and being around for your family, which I always say is a big driver. It's one of my drivers to have a family one day to be here for my parents, to be there for you and, and, and the rest of the team and stuff like that as well is yeah. a big driver for me. But we always get these turning points in life where we do have to make a decision. And obviously the first one we used very young, you read an fee. It was like, yeah, so you got the pump and you're still a bit. Mm. And then the main, one of the main ones was the specialist saying, I don't know if I'm going to be able to save your fucking eyesight. And then the other one was your daughter. And then obviously a recent one we had space was the passing of your dad and stuff like that. The struggle with your dad. Yep. And I think like you said, you had a choice you had good control. You kind of dealt with all that, and you had a choice then um, of how you wanted to move forward. And I think yeah. that that is inspirational, motivational. And and being on your program and having that structure, like we talked about in the first podcast, and uh, meeting all those lovely people in in the Facebook group, and um, yeah, it just saved me. And yeah. um, I'm I'm in a total different headspace now. As hard as it is to talk about it. Uh, because I'm I'm so I'm so grateful for it. It's I I can't even can't even describe it. And but it's the best, and I'm so happy. And yeah, it's Megan talkers free life got better yeah. from, from <laughs> last year. Yeah. I had good control, and you was like, "What what are, what are you doing here?" But even that improved. Yeah, and, and, and talkers free life. Your current health now in comparison to where it was in terms of complications, like you had these complications, this neuropathy, retinopathy, this surgery and stuff like that. But like we say, you had that choice. You had that choice of letting it get to you or not. 
and now you're I, I want to use this as I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to say that that you're living proof that even if you've been through a shit time or you've had complications and that you need to fucking use that for the reason why you now have to get control of it and do good don't you and I think yeah. It's hard that like, I do come with tough love. And Fred, you've obviously felt this and that. I always speak about like, if you're not going to get control, this is what's going to fucking happen to you. Like the shit that Fred's been through, this is what can happen to you. And I don't want you, and I'm quite sure Fred doesn't want you to go through that. No. So now you always have an option. Unfortunately, with a lot of us, it takes something big like it did with you, Fred, for you to realize, hey, I need to make a choice. But if we can grasp it now, before things ever get that bad, you're going to stay away from that. If things are getting that bad or have got that bad, know that if you decide to make a change like Fred did, there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it's it's not it's not like when you're diagnosed with retinopathy or neuropathy or whatever complication, it's not the end of your life. Mm. And it's, it doesn't mean when they say you've got retinopathy, it doesn't mean the same as you're going blind. Yeah, because I've been close to clo- to going blind, but I'm still here with with being able to drive, being allowed to drive, and yeah. seeing the world around me, the beautiful snowy sunshine at the moment. I yeah. just come back from a massive walk in the snow and and in the sun, and I just enjoy it. And the gratitude. Um, and you're you you're even more that. grateful for seeing those little things, because you know it's it's not. Um, how you say that? It's it's not. It could have been taken away from you. Yeah, it almost easily. was. Yeah, yeah, it was. And, and there and... were days it was taken away from me because I had yeah. days I woke up blind. Yeah. But then it cleared, and I had another surgery. Yeah. And I, I want uh, people, the people listening to this, to like know that it's it is challenging because as humans, it's never until something happens or we're risk we're losing something that we have true appreciation and gratitude for it like you saying you know being on walks seeing things that's how often do we go on walks and we just look at shit and we're like oh that's nice we we don't stop and have true gratitude until someone was to take your eyesight away like happened with you then you have true gratitude so guys listening to this try and be grateful for like we said at the start the shit that you've got to manage your diabetes now the health that you've got now continue to work on that do you know what i mean like great having gratitude is so is so important thinking especially for type ones yeah but, and, and um at the beginning of the year i, d- I didn't <laughs> walk i just had the diagnosis for a few months and i was like oh i can't and it will only get worse and well stuff like that and then it got too fucking cold to bike because i've been biking all summer and um then i was like yeah i have to yeah and, i mean uh, let's start start with that so it was from the neuropathy wasn't it that you were struggling to get steps in and stuff like that. And yeah. I mean, walking around, what was your, I can't remember when you did check-ins, what was your average step count back then when that was a struggle? I think 4,000. Okay. Where are we at now when you're going Nine, on your walks? 9,000. 9,000. 9 to 10. There's I'm proof. 10 today and yeah. it's, it's 4 p.m. or something. So. Yeah. <laughs> and you're cycling and stuff like that. So we'll say, I, I'm going to give it some big fucking tough love now to people. You type ones out there with neuropathy or stuff like that, that you say, I can't exercise, I can't move, I can't do this, that, and the other. Shut the fuck up. Step out of your own way because 
you slowly start to move. I don't care if it's pottering around the house, walking to the bathroom and that. When it hurts, stop. The next day, try a little bit more. The next week, when it hurts, stop. Or when you know it's going to hurt, stop. Because that's exactly what me and Fred did, isn't it? A little bit over the weeks, we yeah. tried to push a little bit more, a little bit more, cycle, cycle a little bit further, a little bit further. We slowly built it up. You didn't just sit there and say, I've got neuropathy, I can't. I can't get stepped in, Tom. I'm sorry. I can't do a workout, Tom. He was like, no, I'm going to do a little bit. I'm just going to do a little bit. Yeah. So for you guys out there in any situation saying, I can't exercise because my type 1 diabetes or the complications, shut the fuck up because you can. Uh, you you, can know, do a little you bit. know what it is? It will most likely not be like before, before mm. you were diagnosed with retinopathy, neuropathy, whatever. But there is a way. Yeah. And it will not be the same as before. It is not for me. Uh, walking for me is still hard but I enjoy it and I'm lucky I live close to a national park and it's absolutely mm. be beautiful. I want to go there no matter mm. what. And yeah, it, it's not the same, but it's still there and you can still enjoy it. Yeah, you still. So what, what do you think? How, how do you, what do you think the biggest thing is? It's hard to say this. What do you think the biggest thing is that's got you through everything? This retinopathy, neuropathy, like all the, the kind of hard times, because we all go through hard times, but what, what's got you through? What's kept you moving forward? Cool. You know, I'll just, <laughs> hard question. Mm -hmm. Just going, just keep going. Just, yeah. and um, what, what got me through the, the, the last year, because like I say, with my dad and a new diagnosis and because of retinopathy is, is 20 years ago when it started. So that's quite a long time. Um, just keep going. And um, where was I? What got you through from last year? Yeah, there was just, um, no, I, sorry. I don't remember. All right. <laughs> No. I think like you mentioned, like it's being surrounded with people and being part of a community as well. Yeah, and, and having the structure and and uh, when when I started the program, I I was like I've always been very stubborn. I always thought I can do this myself. I don't need to listen. And when I started working with you, I was like, okay, stop. Listen to this guy. Mm. It's it's there's no need to be stubborn anymore and do it yourself. You you need to listen. And that's what I did. And, well, here I am. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's and and um, having met all those wonderful people on your team, that's, it's just, I've, I've got some really true friends now. Yeah. And I think I, there's a key things there that keep you going. Like, I think that's an answer to the question. I'll answer it for you. The connections you've made with others yeah, and sorry. having goals, having goals, as well having a structure yep. having goals and the connection you make with other people that's yep. what's going to keep driving us forward no matter what is been put in our way like with you with your retinopathy neuropathy the passing of your dad and stuff no matter what's put in our way if we have some sort of goal and we're surrounded by people and we're trying to work on bettering ourselves nothing will stop us and i think you're, you've just been living proof of that because i could keep saying you had a thousand fucking reasons why you could have stopped and a thousand excuses why you didn't need to get up and move every day, but you didn't. You didn't take him. You carried on moving forward. Yeah, because I I've seen close to me in, in my family uh, people who don't move, 
and I see what happens and mm. I don't let that happen to me ever. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think no. guys listening to this, like you, I want you to take inspiration from it of not having to actually see that or having shit happen to you to make you change your ways now. I want you to take Fred's story to make you change your ways now. And you know what? If you're going through some shit or been through some shit in terms of your, your diabetes or life in general, to still, <laughs> if you've been going through some shit with like your diabetes or life in general, to still know that, hey, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and you've been living proof for that, Fred. So thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. So, thank do you. you have anything you want to add or you would like to say? No, it's just keep going. It's not the end of it's not the end of the fucking party. You're still here, and yeah. you're not. Yeah, things will change when you have um, complications, and actually um, having complications and dealing with that is even harder than dealing with diabetes itself. Mm. I always say, uh, diabetes. If it was just diabetes and just an injection or a blood test. No problem, but it's mm. all the shit that comes along that make for me made it even harder. And yeah. uh, complications is is one of the hardest. So um, you should do everything what's in your power to to avoid it. Although it might happen anyway, but if you're good controlled, you won't have it as bad as I had. And yeah. Uh, I got out on the good end with my retinopathy and I still see and uh, yeah that that's that's a good thing and then you enjoy it even more oh, definitely well thank you Fred I appreciate you coming on it's always mega to chat and I hope well I fucking know a lot of tight ones are going to get a lot of inspiration from this I hope so well. I hope I can yeah. help people by sharing my story as hard as it is yeah, no, definitely. I appreciate that. So, yeah. well, thanks very much, Fred. And guys listening, thank you very much. I hope you got a lot from this episode. Like, feel free to go and leave us a rating and review on the podcast app if you did. And yeah, just remember that like, it doesn't matter if you've been through complications or shit with your diabetes or life in general. Like, you just got to keep pushing through. And Fred's been living proof for that. So, thanks very much for jumping on, Fred. I appreciate that. You're welcome. That. You're welcome. Thanks very much for listening to this episode, guys. I appreciate you taking the time. And we'll catch you all in the next episode. Peace.